This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Today is Saturday, May 16th, 2020. On this day in 1918, President Woodrow Wilson signed into law the Sedition Act of 1918, making it illegal for United States citizens to publicly criticize the government or country's involvement in World War I. Anyone who dared to speak up would be thrown in jail. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're discussing the passage of the Sedition Act during World War I, what it meant for the war, how these criminal charges affected the citizens, and its lasting effect. Let's go back to that morning, May 16, 1918, in Washington, D.C. It was a busy day in the Oval Office. President Woodrow Wilson listened closely to the daily update about the war in Europe from his trusted advisor, Colonel Edward House. It was a tense time for the world. The war could turn either way, and they knew the Germans were preparing for a do-or-die spring offensive that could determine the outcome of the war. Thanks to their spies, Wilson and the other Allied leaders knew about this plan and anxiously awaited its start. He needed to ensure his country was prepared for the fighting or for the inevitability of deploying more men overseas. Because of this, he was patiently waiting for important legislation slated to come across his desk later in the day. This new amendment, adding to a law passed just a year before, was crucial to the United States' success during the war. Called the Sedition Act, it would make it illegal for anyone in the country to publicly disparage the war effort or support a foreign government. Criminalizing speech seems absurd, but it built upon two prior acts, each passed to help the war effort. When the United States joined the fighting on April 6, 1917, about a year before, their standing army only included about 100,000 volunteers. To help fight the German forces overseas, the U.S. government passed the Selective Service Act of 1917. In effect, it was a draft for men between the ages of 21 and 30. The government heavily relied upon this act to supply their forces. But, along with their very involvement in the war, it was highly controversial. A large portion of the United States population believed that they, as a country, had no business fighting in a purely European conflict. Many didn't want their loved ones to get drafted overseas, to die on foreign soil, for what was perceived as only a minor threat. So, in an effort to sway public opinion, they voiced their opposition strongly. 
After all, protesting against the government was practically an American pastime and had always been protected by the First Amendment. But their opposition to the war was seen by some officials as an attack on the sense of patriotism that the government wanted their citizens to feel. Worse, these protests made the U.S. appear weak to the rest of the world. On top of that, there were actual foreign bad actors embedded deep within American society who were hellbent on sowing civil unrest. To combat this, the United States Congress passed a law known as the Espionage Act on June 15, 1917. It made it illegal for sensitive information about the United States to be passed on to a foreign government. The act drew a line in the sand for how far the First Amendment would go. And 11 months later, this laid the groundwork for the new Sedition Act of 1918, which was looking to further tighten restrictions on free speech. It sailed through the House of Representatives with only one opposing vote from New York Representative Meyer London. He also happened to be a leader of the Socialist Party of the United States. London knew that if this law passed, it meant that he, along with everyone else who opposed the war, wouldn't be allowed to speak out. And while the Sedition Act labored in the Senate, eventually lawmakers gathered the votes they needed. The morning of May 16, 1918, the legislation was finally brought to Wilson's desk. It strengthened the Espionage Act and ensured that there wouldn't be any public opposition to the war. Now, the United States propaganda machine could push a patriotic message about joining World War I unopposed. When Wilson finally signed the legislation into law, he actively restricted the First Amendment rights of millions, and he made self-expression a crime. Up next, we'll explore the impact of the controversial Sedition Act and its overturn. Now back to the story. On May 16, 1918, President Wilson signed the Sedition Act into law. This piece of legislation made it illegal for anyone in the United States to publicly say anything that disparaged the government or the country's efforts during World War I any sort of protest was now criminal. It was a blow to the First Amendment rights of all Americans, which protect freedom of speech. But many in the country were actually supportive of the Sedition Act during wartime. Several newspapers, who should have been the biggest defenders of the First Amendment, believed that it was in the best interest of the country to not openly oppose the government. After all, they believed the recruitment of soldiers was crucial for the United States' success in the war. In the time since the war was announced, roughly two million Americans had signed up to fight, all encouraged by a non-stop government patriotism campaign. However, as the U.S.'s involvement in the war dragged on into its second year and more young men were being drafted, some of the public opinion shifted. War no longer seemed like the right idea. However, with the Sedition Act now in place, their oppositions were silenced. The full might of the U.S. government was now being felt by every one of its citizens. 
Between 1917 and 1920, more than 2,000 people were arrested for violating the Espionage and Sedition Acts. And the punishments were severe. Anyone found to have broken these laws was subject to up to 20 years of imprisonment and a $10,000 fine, about $200,000 today. These so-called criminals came from all walks of life, but many had political backgrounds. A great number were labor organizers who felt that the war was another way for the ruling class to profit off of the hard work and sacrifice of the middle class. These laws also gave the government a mechanism to go after women who were fighting for their right to vote. Their suffragette protests were now viewed by law as anti-government. By all means, the Sedition Act was government-sponsored censorship. While it's arguable that its intentions were pure and only meant to help democracy, it actively undermined everything the country was founded upon. But fortunately, the Sedition Act wouldn't last long. The German Spring Offensive failed. It left their forces depleted and their morale all but gone. It was the turning point in the war, and within months, the majority of the fighting would begin to draw to a close. The armistice was signed on November 11, 1918, only six months after the Sedition Act was passed. And by June of 1919, the Treaty of Versailles brought World War I to an end. But it would take until December 13, 1920, before the Sedition Act was repealed and free speech was restored. Even then, those who'd been arrested for violating the wartime laws were kept in prison, and the money they were fined was still held by the government. While many historians have argued that the Sedition Act was necessary for the war effort, it was a blight on democracy as a whole. This grand experiment is only as strong as its weakest link, and this law did its best to weaken the cornerstone of the Constitution, our freedom of speech. That in itself could be called a crime. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more information on Woodrow Wilson and the United States' involvement in World War I, check out the ParCast original, Secret Societies, about the Council on Foreign Relations. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. 
Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Robert Tyler Walker, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 